Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? I'm here with Brittany. Um, She was my guest last week on Confessions of a Pastor's Wife. Um, We didn't quite finish the episode, and so I wanted to kind of give you like a bonus episode where we would just finish off the questions here because I think they're really important and I really don't want to skip over them. So all of that being said, I just want to welcome you, Brittany, back to What Was Her Name? I'm really, um, yeah, looking forward to talking to you this morning. Thank you. What? Okay. So <laughs> we were just kind of going back into the outline and looking through where we left off. And I think the question that I am curious about is the challenges that you have faced in the aftermath of abuse. I think aftermath of abuse, uh, often when you are in abuse, all you want to do is be out of it and you're in survival mode. So you're just concerned about making it out, whether that's literally making it out alive or just making it out to be sane again. But you don't really realize or think about the aftermath of abuse. And the aftermath is very real. And I think personally, very untalked about because I think a lot of people are afraid to bring it up because then they think, well, if you know what the aftermath will be like, then you'll never leave. Um, Because, I mean, let's use uh, family court as an example, I left thinking that the court system was set up to provide justice. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What it's set up to do. And that slapped me in the face. And I'm very like, very um, candid about my experiences in family court. And many of times I've seen women comment things on TikTok and say, I'm never leaving. And it's like, well, you really do have two options, but I'm not going to lie to you. If you leave, it's going to be really hard. And so I think this is a really important topic um, because I think in the past when I've recorded episodes, I've skipped over this part and I've been like, okay, tell me about the abuse. And then now what are your visions, goals, and dreams? But there Mm -hmm. is actually aftermath. And I want to talk about it because you're likely going through things that are really hard. um, And nobody's like stopping for you. Like the world doesn't stop for you. Your job doesn't stop for you. Like people's lives Mm -hmm. go on and you have to kind of just function normally while also navigating the realms of recovering from trauma. And that's hard. And so (laughs) what do you feel like you've been facing since you left the abusive relationship? How has that impacted your life? Yeah. Um, I agree that it's not talked about, and I would almost argue that at least in my situation, um, the aftermath of leaving is honestly worse than not having left. Um, and, and maybe I will see that like, like, I'm really glad that I left. It's not that, but it's just not knowing what leaving was actually going to look like and how it was going to affect me and our daughter, um, kind of like you said, of not realizing that family court was not actually set up to protect children and provide justice um, in really unfair situations. So um, I would say it's, yeah, definitely worse um, just because now uh, there is the focus on, um, from him, the focus is making it look like what I'm claiming is really false. Um, Whereas before I left, he didn't have to work on it because there was this assumption that it would never come to light, um, that I would never leave. And like, even when we started conversations of the severity of what I was feeling, it still was almost treated like, yeah, but you would never, like, you would never consider that. Like, how dare you, you know, even think that that's God's, you know, plan for you X, Y, Z. Um, So I say all that to say now that it's like really out, um, I would say it's arguably worse uh, because there's this focus, at least in my situation, uh, my ex focuses a lot on quote unquote kindness. Hmm. Um, So it's this, uh, the goal is to make it look like 
he's so kind that the things that I'm claiming cannot possibly be true. Um, so it doesn't look like the really, you know, obvious, like, and, and not to diminish these things, but like, you know, stalking and harassment and um, all the like more extreme, like, oh, most people would say if they saw that, that's really bad. But like the way that things are framed in my situation is almost like, I'm going to be so overly kind that it makes you look like you made it all up. And that's like been the narrative. Um, well, so just like to start there. Yeah. Let's stop there. <clears throat> we're starting there and we're stopping there. Um, because <laughs> I think that this is a brilliant uh, point and I like just, I want to like, I think highlight this here because when you're like, I, I think it's fascinating and I've dealt with it. And I know that literally countless other women who have gone through abusive marriages or relationships have, but while you're actually in the thick of it, um, the abuse is like so evident, but depending on like what type of abuse you're experiencing, like a lot of yours was covert abuse. Like he, mm -hmm. he was doing a lot of things, saying a lot of things, and then you're watching your community um, be like, oh, he's just such a great guy. And you're like, is he though? <laughs> because my nervous system is like going bananas. And uh, you're like almost gaslighting yourself during that time because you're like trying to figure out if what you're experiencing is abuse. All you know is that something's not right, but he's not quite doing enough in like the eyes of the church, right. To be like, Oh, you're free to leave, which is awful and incorrect. Um, mm -hmm. then when you get out, um, he then reverts right to almost like the person you knew before you married him. Um, mm -hmm. and that is a, excuse my language, but it's a fucking like mind. It's a mind fuck. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. you, know that what you experienced was this but because you spent so much time being gaslit by the person that you're with but also gaslighting yourself unintentionally when you get out and you are then forced to fight for yourself advocate for yourself when there's literally no one to advocate for you because nothing is set up to advocate for you and then you're having to advocate for a kid on top of that while also having to prove that what you experienced was abuse when you were gaslit to make it look like you weren't abused that entire time. Like, like it is agonizing. And mm -hmm. then they are suddenly like without problem. <laughs> like, it's like, they're yeah. like, they're fine. And you're like, wait, is it me? Like, did I make it out? I'm not putting words in your mouth, but a lot of people that I talk yeah. to myself, I'm like, wait, like, I'm questioning myself. Like, I'm like, wait, and I'm having to look back at my experiences and remind myself of the things that he did and said, because all of a sudden he is just fine. And it's yep. like so freaking crazy to me because it's like, you know what you experienced, but it's really hard to stand in those experiences post-abuse when you're having to navigate like healing and then the abuser is acting like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yes. 100%. Um, it is, it makes you feel like, did I just make it all up? Or like, is this really not as bad as it seems? Um, you know, because now at this point, like for so long, kindness quote unquote has been, has been the goal, which now granted, I will say like, as someone that knows him, I can see through that. And like, even the things that he's saying are kind, um, or the messages that are sent, um, because I know him, I can see the manipulation, I can see the, the abuse, even within those things. But like people that don't know him very well, or like judges are going to look at them and be like, Oh, yeah, like, just co parenting, like, he's just he's kind, you know? And so it's so frustrating to me because I'm like, I look at it and I see exactly what you're doing and you know exactly what you're doing, but will other people, I, I don't know. Um, and it, unless they're, you know, trauma informed, I think a lot of times they don't. Um, <clears throat> so 
anyways, I say that to say, I think a big part of my aftermath has just been regulating my nervous system. Um, I still really have to face him pretty much daily. Um, I just want to say one more good. thing. Um, just for people who are listening, who may be in this situation as well, and you're wondering, like, what do I do with that? Um, I don't know what you'd recommend, Brittany. I wanted to just know, um, I think keeping a journal is really important. Mm. And I think journals kind of are like nuanced nowadays. It's like everybody's just kind of into like, I don't know, this like self journey or whatever, but I think it's like really important. And I think that journals are really helpful because you can look at it kind of as like your truth book where you can go back to it. Mm. You have your experiences, write out the experiences that you've experienced and how they made you feel and then continue to journal, you know, your current experiences now. And whenever something comes up that combats that you have that truth book where you can go back and say no Mm. it's written down here these are the facts and also have a trusted friend or family member who you can go to who can remind you about what you experienced Mm. and what happened because then you have someone who's an outside source who can like verify those experiences for you um and also remember that like the chances of an abuser admitting abuse is like slim to none. And so you can't expect an abuser to not act like an abuser. You just can't. And so they're going to lie. They're going to manipulate you. You're going to manipulate the people around you because Mm -hmm. if it were to come out that they had been an abuser, um, then they are revealed. They're Mm -hmm. broad daylight, naked. (laughs) So they're not going to do that. Um, so yeah. that's just something to note that I have to be very, very careful about. And I'm often having to relive things through family court and then I need to, or cuss or, you know, supervise visitations. And I have to go back into like my journal or relationships with friends and my, my mom and be like, Hey, like remind me of this sociopath because like he is acting so normal. It is scary. And I feel like I'm going crazy or I'm the problem. So yeah, that's, I don't know what you would recommend or what helps you, but. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I write so many things down um, or I'll tell friends um, about things like whether it be things that happened a long time ago that I'm writing or even just current situations where it's like, okay, this is what was said, but like, I know xyz about the past and so i know what was actually trying to be done here if that makes sense like just basically writing so many things so that like if i'm looking back later and be like oh well maybe that message wasn't so bad it's like oh no like there was more to that like the surrounding events or um the timing of when that was sent or whatever like it was just i don't know just writing those things down i fully agree um i have made it a point to journal a lot more now, um, partially for documentation purposes, but also partially like, you know, maybe a court will never care about this, but this is really good for me myself to have. um, And just like to tell friends and be like, this is, this is not, this is not okay. Right. Like, you know, and just have that, that those other perspectives as well. I think even like, Um, I think even like having um, this, like I do this a lot with, thoughts in my head um that like thoughts that come into my mind that are like maybe not wanted where I'm like feeling anxious or I'm doubting myself or I'm like struggling to I'm gaslighting myself about my experience with my ex in supervised visits because Mm -hmm. he's like really he's like really friendly and like really um like just kind and like consider it and I'm like this is Mm -hmm. not you like, um, yep. and it makes me feel very triggered because I'm like, for the longest time thought I was the problem. Right. And so when he acts like that, I have to remind myself. And so anyways, my point is that like, if you're really struggling with that as well, I would, I would say like, if, you know, let's say that the thought is I'm the problem and I'm going to use this as an example. I've heard this, I've heard women say this before. They'll say, am I the abuser? Um, Mm -hmm. so take that thought and like, imagine that you're in a court setting and that is you're on trial for being the abuser. Okay. And Mm -hmm. it's like, what proof do you have 
that you are the abuser? And what proof do you have that he is the abuser? And go mm. through and really ask yourself. And then the thoughts that are in your head, like, well, he's just being like really kind right now. Like, is that going to stand in court? No, it's not. Like only like valid, verified evidence is going to stand in court, right? And so it's like, then you can knock out and begin to knock out the thoughts in your head because you're like, that's not going to stand in court. That's not going to stand in court. That's not going to stand in court. And you'll be able to easily, mm. like over time, as you train your mind to do this, knock out the thoughts that are really not like like substantial and mm -hmm. this has helped me a lot and so I would say like to just kind of clear your head to really ask yourself like if I were to go to court right now would the standing court like the thought I'm having what really what evidence do I have to back up this thought that I have in my head right now mm -hmm. chances are you're not going to have any evidence because you're not the abuser um and yeah and he's just an idiot um but like yeah <laughs> anyways I'm like derail I'm like going on a whole tangent but I just I think this is just like a really important topic but yeah no I I agree I appreciate that and I think it's probably more common than I even realize because when I think like oh my gosh he's so kind like no one is ever gonna see this but then you're talking about your ex in the same way of like so kind so considerate and it's like oh yeah this is probably like much more common than I think because I guess in my mind I'm like well you know what if other people have these like ridiculously obvious things of like oh he's clearly doing something bad and other people can see that and it's like well then that wouldn't make a lot of the abuse covert like would it like it would it would like if the goal is to cover it of course all of a sudden they're going to switch to being these like super considerate super co-parenting you know I've I've I'm doing everything I can type of a type of people. And I'm not saying that's everyone's story, but I think just like reminding myself that that's probably more common than what it feels like when it's just like, Oh, it's just me. And I'm the only one that experiences that. And that's probably not true. Well, and just think like he could, he was able to switch the narrative. So in the beginning, you wouldn't have buried him if you had known that he was an abuser, you just wouldn't have. So right. about how he was able to like, be and then all of a sudden not be just how as he was able to switch he will switch back so yep um I think I think that sometimes there's women who I I would say like the men are low functioning like they they are abusive and then they they that comes out um but then there mm -hmm. are high functioning abusers who are able to mask um mask themselves in a way where like they kind of parade around like there's just no problem and they are very good manipulators and so they're high functioning and they are able to and like I I literally had uh in uh this like court clinic <clears throat> I told this court clinician like my story and I had talked to my therapist and like wrote everything down and I was like really prepared because the judge wanted my three-year-old to meet his biological father and then like his biological mm. father was just going to go back to Europe and like he had not even done any of his testing yet for like pedophile mm. my ex-husband is a pedophile and so he had not done mm. any of his testing and so it's like I was like fighting gripping to not get that visit um for my son or our son and um at the court clinicians like you know, we're talking and he, my, the court clinician went so far as to not allow these visits with the biological father because of everything that I had said, all the proof I had mm. submitted. Okay. And he was like, I don't care if you flew here from Germany, you are not meeting this child. Okay. That's huge. Mm. Huge. Yeah. But then <laughs> he did not meet him. Okay. But then he had a meeting with my ex-husband the next day knowing he's not going to meet him. They just had a meeting, flipped the narrative, and then mm. submitted to the judge that he thinks it would be in the child's best interest to have supervised visitation with his father. Mm. And that is how manipulative he is and how normal he is. And I knew as soon as he sits down with him, he's going to woo him and he's going to try and get his way and weasel his way in because that's who he is. And so you're definitely not alone in that. And 
I think also in uh, like church in the church and Christian men, like you really kind of know how to act and what to say and not to say. And I think in some ways people misuse that and then they use that for their benefit. Um, and they're able to like almost be better manipulators in that way. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying when I say that, but mm, I think yeah. use that to manipulate people. Yeah. Yeah. The spiritual layer of it, I feel like it's just so wild to me. Like looking back so much of, so much of it is just like spiritual weaponization and manipulation and, um, just like yeah that's I think that's like the hardest part sometimes to to move past in a lot of ways because it's like you know scripture like you're a pastor so like you know scripture you know all of the things to like pull out at your convenience (laughs) um and and that was a big hang up for me of like well this can't be as bad as what it feels I don't know um so yeah I I agree yeah just know that this is normal. <laughs> it's ab- <laughs> not normal, but it is normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is sad. <laughs> super sad. Super, super sad. Um, ooh, talk about the, we just talked about the scripture, but weaponizing scripture is so real. Talk, talk about the text messages he sends you. Yeah. So they are multiple paragraphs um, long and they are, a lot of times like teaching me how to be the parent and asking questions so that like um it shows how good of a co-parent to where so like I'm trying to set boundaries I'm trying to communicate as little as possible I'm trying to parallel parent like all these things but these messages on on one hand can look like wow like he is sharing all of these things about his time with the child and you know, like what she's doing, like what she eats for the day, like what, you know, little like tiny, tiny, tiny details that are not necessary to share. And then like, he will ask questions like, well, what do you think about this? Or what did you, what kind of, you know, food did you try with her yesterday? What kind of new thing did, did you and her do, you know? And, and for me to not answer it, it he is painting the narrative that, you know, he wants to co-parent and he wants to keep me so updated on the child and I don't return the same. Um, and that's been really difficult to figure out how to navigate that because yeah, on one hand, I'm trying to set boundaries. I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm obviously like within reason, there are certain things that he does need to know about our child. And like, there are things that a court order requires, but like daily decision things and things like that are not required in a court order. Those are made by the parent that has the child, but like it still spins the narrative of I'm giving so much extra and that's where like the kindness part comes in. So like you have, a it's word. yes, because you can just continue to like, obviously with within the realms of like if something important happens, that's like necessary mm-hmm. to communicate to yeah. you. But all communication can be directed through a lawyer. Like my ex can't mm-hmm. even text me like, he everything that he communicates has to be through my lawyer or he emails my lawyer and then my lawyer will send me an email like you need like a middleman to like be the barrier between you so that he can't like Mm. interjecting into your daily life like that all the time you know because I yeah that would be nice but I just I guess I've never considered that because he also has complained anytime I've told him like you need to go through my lawyer like he says you know one he doesn't want to spend the money on that but two it's like a it it almost looks like I'm the one legally abusing him like making him pay all this money because he's now got to communicate with a lawyer and that's like how it's phrased of like you know we should be able to talk just amongst us and like co-parent and um you know it's really sad that you're not even willing to do that yada 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 so it's like this fine line of like I don't have a restraining order I don't have any form of like record of this is what he does. It's just like, oh, he's really wordy and he sends really long messages about every detail of the child's day. But like, is that harming me? I mean, emotionally, yes, I don't like it, but it's not doing anything that I feel like has warranted to where it would work out that he would have to communicate through my lawyer. I don't know. Maybe that's something I need to explore more. I've just always been fearful of looking like the person that's just trying to rack up his legal bills because that's 
I know that that's like not good either, you know? Yeah. I mean, a majority of, of women I know, they don't just communicate to their ex via text. So they have an app they use, um, Mm -hmm. that the court clinic will assign them, um, or they communicate through lawyers. And I mean, he, if he wants to represent himself, he can, but him just needing to go through your lawyer, like that's just like basic one-on-one of like we're divorced and even like we're just not on good terms. So I don't yeah. think like make you look bad. Um, and anybody who's like familiar with and has like an awareness of abuse will know what he's doing. And I think like, mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, you, I hope you're, I'm sure you're keeping like, you're keeping record of this, but like he's harassing you is what he's doing. And you probably are like, yeah, he's, um, but it's like a form, yeah. of, a form of power and control. It's just, you know what I mean? Like he's just trying to almost keep tabs on you while also kind of trying to like leverage that he's this great dad. And it's like almost like he's teasing you kind of like, cause he knows that like you can't not respond, but like you're trying to move on with your life and you're constantly reminded of him all the time because he's texting you. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. He requested to the the judge at one point that we attend co-parenting counseling. And of course that was granted because that looks so good. Um, and it, it it is, it's all of these methods of like, it makes him look like he's co-parenting, but in reality, it's just ways to continue to remind me that he is still in my life. He's still in control. I mean, he's not, but like, you know, like basically like I can't really get fully away from him. Um, and yeah, so all of those things combined, it's just like, it's all, all done in quote unquote kindness and like, oh, it's best for Olive that we learn to go to counseling together. But in reality, it's, that's not the motive. It's, it's much more of like a control thing. And so just like regulating my emotions when I inevitably have to face him just about every single day um, has been like the biggest hurdle for me I think um and just reminding myself that like no matter how kind he seems that is not that's not actually reality and kind of like you said like the mask can only last for so long um so yeah yeah I yeah it's a waiting game for sure (laughs) yeah I like here that you put, I constantly have to tell myself that I am safe and that I can trust myself, that I have my own space and that he doesn't control aspects of my life. Um, mm. Because I think like affirmations are really important and your body and like needs to know that you're not going to abandon it again. And so, yeah, I tell myself that a lot. I'm like, I'll even like hug myself and be like, okay, like you are safe. Like, this is not that this is like you are safe. You are not in that anymore. And I like remind and encourage my body and mind that like, it's not in that abusive cycle anymore. Um, but I like wrote that because I think that those affirmations are so vital. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like literally the only way to get through sometimes of like, Mm. I think that the trusting myself is really big. Like I, I mean, safety is too, but like, for me, I think about the trusting myself a lot more. Like you can trust like your instincts as a mom, you can trust your instincts as like just a person in general. Like you can trust your emotions, like all of those things. Um, Not that those, you know, not that um, like your emotions are not 100% always like the most truth telling things or whatever. Um, But at the same time, like, I don't know, just learning that I don't have to, second guess everything that comes in my head as if it's wrong um has been like a huge thing that I've been working on uh in therapy yeah I feel like coming back to yourself and learning to trust yourself again is probably the one of the hardest things in healing Mm -hmm. um and then yeah you're I mean when you add like even entering into relationships it's like a whole nother ball game of learning how to trust oh, you yeah because your intuition I think when you ignore your intuition for so long and then you f- find ways to cope by trying to reassure your or like 
almost minimize your voice that like, you're fine, you're safe, nothing's wrong, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And then you finally open your eyes and you're like, oh my gosh, I was being abused for X amount of time. Then it's like, you have to kind of return to yourself and learn how to trust yourself, your intuition again. And it's really, it's really a hard process and it really just does take time. Um, But yeah, it can be, it's, it can be agonizing to like learn how to trust yourself again. I'm like three years out and I'm still sitting here sometimes and I'm like, okay, (laughs) trying to like get back to the basics. And so it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that. (laughs) Um, so let's see, what have people asked? What are, um, typical questions that people have asked you since you left? Well, if he hit me was a big one, but we've already talked some about that. I think the biggest thing now, um, and this is more so like people that are supportive of me that will ask this, but still just out of curiosity, um, even just asking like uh, if I regret having a child um, with him and my answer immediately is no. Um, I mean, that comes with some caveat for sure, but like one, I would never not have married him because it it brought me our daughter and like she's literally the best thing on the planet and I know every every parent says that about their child but like um yeah I I love her so much and I it has allowed me to understand even like the smallest amount of the love that God has for me um because of how much you know I love her mm-hmm. um and so I would do that all over again because without I mean, yeah, without him, I would not have her. Um, But I also, it makes me really sad to think that like, this is her world now. Like, you know, as much as I want to protect her from a lot of this, like, and and I can do a little bit, but I can't protect her from everything. Like she will have, like, he will always be her dad. um, And like, yeah, there's just only so much me as, as whether I have, 50% 50% custody, zero custody or 100%. Like it's, there's still so much of that that she will have to process at some point. Um, I want to reframe something that you just said or like invite you to reframe it. Um, you said she, he will always be her dad. Um, and mm-hmm. I think getting curious with that statement because and allowing yourself to get curious about that statement because like he will always be her biological father. But to yeah. be a dad, um, I know that you and I have discussed things off, off the record, and there are two. Uh, there's a big difference between being a father, mm-hmm. biological father, and then being a dad. So I think he will always be yeah. biological father, and maybe reframing that and inviting yourself to reframe that and really getting curious about that phrase and what that means because. Mm-hmm some point when you're healed she will have a dad and like that is going to be a different relationship because he is not going to be an abusive person and so I don't know just getting curious with that that's something that I I used to say the same thing and then um I started to get really curious with that when you know people who had kind of walked this before me encouraged me to reframe that and I'm really glad that I did because now that he's almost five he calls him his biological father and that's to him a slap in the face, but it's like, well, I, I appreciate the thought. I think right now in the arrangement that we're in, it's, it's hard for me not to frame it like, Oh yeah. Like he's always going to be her dad because right now, like it seems like he has almost the same amount of access to her as me. Like I know there's so much that I can provide for her that, um, that he's not and that's you know by his choice or by his manipulation or whatever but like you know it 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 looks like there's like so much equality there and like I don't know I yeah I want to read I want to think through that because it right now it just feels like well I don't really have a choice like that's that's her dad you know but I mean I, I get what you're saying and I I think yeah to be a dad requires more than just like just the biological factor and like genetics, like being a dad requires 
so much care for a small child that, um, you know, that's not actually what's happening, like putting their needs first and sacrifice and all of the things that he's not participating in. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe tricky since he's so involved in her life to like teach her biology, yeah. but you can just say father, you yeah. can make a small shift in language yeah, and just say father, just continue to reiterate. Yeah. That. And then like, as she gets yeah. there, biological will just get added in there and you can explain that more in depth Mm -hmm. but um yeah because there is a big difference and I mean yeah okay yeah so let's see um do you want to talk about number two the question that people ask you yeah yeah Yeah. So the second one um, I would say is like, do I wish that I would have just stayed um, so that I could be with her all of the time? Um, And I really struggled with this one for a while. And like some days I do think, um, I mean, I know it's even been talked about on this podcast before of like how easy it is to be like, I should have just stuck it out for X amount of years. Like, um, because this is, this is horrible. And like, I definitely have wrestled with that, but I think coming to this place of just no I, I'm I'm glad that I left and I think even though right now she is probably suffering in ways that I wish that she wasn't and in ways that maybe she wasn't whenever we were together because I was with her all the time and making sure she was getting her needs met um, I think like bigger picture um, it's it's showing her that like her story does not have to look like this trapping into marriage or this like the 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 statement of a man can basically treat you however he want and like god will never allow you to leave or like um that you know abuse has to be bad enough before you're allowed to get out of it um and like i don't want her to believe those things and like that might not make sense to the world in general or christian community a lot of times but uh, i think right now she's two so that makes a big difference but one day when she's not two um you know her being able to see that i like getting out was actually the best choice um i mean mentally for me i can actually be a good parent for her um even in the midst of like all my healing like there's just so much that i can do and feel and think and say and like the ways i can love her now that i feel like at the time we're just I was just like in such survival mode. Um, So, and then I also just like, don't know if I had chosen to stay like, Oh, I'll just wait out her entire childhood until she's 18. Um, Like, I don't think I would have like physically survived that long. So um, like, that's just also the reality of somehow I feel like I got out before it got worse. Like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't wait until things got ridiculously physical or anything or like, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't have ever, but I also know abuse progresses. And like the fact that, you know, she's so little, I'm hoping is almost like a, a positive thing um, that we can start moving on and having a healthy life together sooner rather than later. Um, I don't think rather it- than her staying her whole childhood in something that's just like terrible, you know? Right. And I don't think it even necessarily said something about how it, 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 you got out before it was, it got too bad in the sense of like a physical altercation or it getting really physical. But I think something that, um, is important to note here is that like, even if it's not, even like the, you said, like said, you didn't think you'd physically survive it, but like, you may not have mentally survived it either because like, yeah the the covert abuse and like the emotional um and mental abuse that happens psychological abuse that happens it can drive women to have mental breakdowns it can drive women to end up developing uh, mental illnesses from Mm -hmm. having experienced abuse for long periods of time like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia um or um multiple personality disorder um, OCD, like there's a lot of like proven illnesses that stem from being in longstanding trauma. And 
<clears throat> I just want to note that, that I think it's like really brave that you removed yourself from that situation before it got to that point. And when like I was in the very last stages of the abuse and I was stuck in Europe, um, I was on the verge of like a full mental breakdown. Like I had a therapist yeah. who would call me and <clears throat> I would this sounds so scary now saying this, but like, I remember one time it was like in these last days I was sitting and I was alone at home. My kid was not home and I started crying and then laughing like so hard, like went from mm-hmm. crying to laughing, crying to laughing. And I called my mm-hmm. therapist at the time and I was like, I don't know what's happening to me. Like, it was like, I was like short circuiting and he yeah. was like, you're going to have a mental breakdown. Like if you don't get out and he would like, it was like even yeah. making the pasta, like the spaghetti one, one night for dinner, a couple of days before I fled, I was like, okay, I am stirring the pasta and I am putting in the, you know, pasta sauce. Like I was, I had to be so mindful every second mm. of how I left because my brain was about to short circuit. And then I ended up having a stroke like a year later. Um, yeah. It was a direct result of abuse. And so all of that being said, I think that it's really brave that you removed yourself from that situation early. And for those who are listening, who are like, well, he doesn't hit me or well, like we're working through things. And it's like, well, you know, (laughs) you have to be also aware that like, it isn't necessarily just, oh, well, you know, I got to get out before he beats me to death or he shoots me. Yes. Those are very real things that cause women who are abused to lose their lives. However, they can drive you in your mind to a point where you literally don't survive. And mm-hmm. once you get to that point mentally, it is really hard to recover from that. Like, because it does something to you, it's literally changing your brain. And so it's important to recognize that, which is why emotional abuse and psychological abuse is so dangerous and so untalked about because it's like, well, like you said, but did he hit you? It's like, that's not the question. Like you're asking the wrong question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? so I'm yeah. Just that's, I hate that question. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> I, and not knowing that it was so common, like that that's actually what people ask. Like that is insane to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you're able to like be a, like, you're able to remove yourself from that situation as best as you can to be able to emotionally even provide for your daughter. Um, and you wouldn't be able to do that if you were still in it, because like you said, like you were just like a shell of a person at that time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I think that's beautiful. Um, I also really like the sentence you said, I may have been with her, but I wasn't actually protecting her. Mm. I think that's like yeah because it's like you're like present in the abuse but then you weren't really actually there because you were just like compartmentalizing so much that you were like it's like a response um you're like desensitized or what's that word where you're like you're there but like you're not there like you feel like you're watching yourself in like a, a movie do you know what I'm talking about yeah, it's like an like an out of body experience almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know the word, but I, I totally understand what you're saying. Okay. Um, okay, let's see. So what is something? So let's go ahead and move forward and I wanna know like what is something that you can do now <laughs> that you couldn't do when you were in that relationship? Um, yeah, I mean, this goes back to just what we were just talking about, but just being able to spend time with my daughter and like make memories with her without being on the edge of my, you know, feeling like I'm on the edge of my life all the time, or like, if I can actually care for her or, um, I don't know, just like making those memories and like, yeah, it's less now than I would like it to be. But like, those memories are so much more quality because like, I'm there and like, and she knows that I'm a safe person. Like even at her tiny little age now, I know that she knows I'm a safe person. So that's really big um, for me. Um, 
And then like another thing, I think I talked about this like earlier on in the last podcast, but like I can cry, which is like a weird thing. Like, so I feel like I, I just like stopped myself, as I said, just like stopped myself from showing any emotion or like being upset about anything. Um, But now I can like actually express like what I'm feeling um, in my own space and like not feel ashamed of that now granted I'm still working through a lot of that because I suppress things for such a long time um but just like this feeling of I'm not going to get like I'm not going to be made fun of I'm not going to be uh asked to have intimacy with someone just because I'm emotional like it's just like I don't have to worry about those questions um now that I'm out um and then also this is just something I just thought of but like something that would happen a lot living uh, in my house before was that I would make meals. And I, I had said before, I was like struggling to gain weight because um, I lost a lot of weight really quickly after having our daughter, I would make meals for myself. And I would say like, Hey, I'm meal prepping for the week. I'm struggling to like gain my weight back. So I'm, you know, labeling these, putting these in the fridge. These are going to be my meals for the next three days or whatever. And like they would get eaten and I would mm-hmm. come home to like eat a meal and it was gone (laughs) um and I know that sounds so small but it's just something that like now I look in the fridge and like what I have made to eat or what I make like what I'm making for me and my daughter or just me like whatever um is like still there or like I have extra so like if a friend comes over I'm like I can provide food for you I don't know it's just like that's like seeming I know eating is not small but like it's just like something random I thought of, of not having to worry if I'm going to have like physical nutrition in the fridge. Yeah. That's just like, yeah, I think it's, it's always like one of my favorite questions because I like love to think about that. Like the things that you can, you can do now that you couldn't do then. Cause I think in the aftermath of abuse, it is like, it feels like you almost can't do anything because you're just trying to literally survive outside of the relationship, but, um, changing that perspective and adding some optimism there and saying like, okay, but what, what really can I do then in the relationship? And it's really interesting to me, the like little things that come up where you're like, I'm actually really grateful that I have food in my fridge. (laughs) Like, you know, yeah, like it sounds small, but I'm like, no, it's actually kind of like a big thing and it's, it's important to you and that's important. And so, I love that you said that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely pretty crazy. Like how many little things we don't realize um, maybe are happening. And then once you get out, you kind of start to like piece together the things that are important to you or ways in which like you were mistreated that kind of just went unnoticed because they were kind of like bottom of the tier. Like you're too busy worrying about other things that that doesn't really feel that big in comparison. But then once you get out, you're like, I'm actually really grateful that my meals don't get eaten and that I can have nutrition. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it was not the forefront of your mind in the abuse. But now you're like, yeah, this is sounds small, but it's actually quite big for me. Yeah. 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 Um, Man. And then this always just makes me, I don't know, in your last episode, it made me emotional. And then reading it just now again and listening to you makes me emotional when you said like, um, oh, you said my tears will trigger. I'm, I, f- I don't feel like my tears are going to trigger a desire for someone wanting to have sex with me. Um, that just gets me every time when I read that, because it's like, I don't know. It's just, it breaks my heart that like you were in a situation where just by having like emotion and feeling things like he misused that and would like coerce you into having sex with him. Like that's disgusting. And it's also like heartbreaking. And it's like the fact that by being out, you're now able to tap into your feelings is crazy. Like, but it's like, not unique it's not unique to yourself like your story in and in and of itself is your own it's individual it's beautiful but it's happening to like so many women and it just like makes me feel sick to my stomach but also makes me emotional reading that because like it's a very very powerful sentence 
And it's really beautiful as well um, that you are able to be removed from that situation and, and that I'm, you're just, you're safe now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's even like, it's sometimes like, I don't even believe that. Like sometimes I'm like, how in the world, like, did I, how was that like, you know, how was that actual life at the time? Um, so, Yeah. What is something, oh, can you talk about your provision list? Yeah, so this is something I started, I don't know, probably eight months ago. And it's just been like so helpful because it's just basically where I write down every tiny thing that I believe that God has provided for me and uh, my daughter in this season. So like even like little bitty things, like I'm trying to think like a really small thing that's on there. Like it doesn't even have to be relating to custody or divorce or abuse or anything like it can be just tiny things that I'm like I see you God and like I write it down um I just have a note on my phone because that's just something I can always access um in the moment but writing it down so that it serves as a reminder that like even if this really big thing is not changing the way that I ideally would like it or even if things are you know moving slower than what it feels like it should be um that like God is still so near and like fighting for us and I think in that it's just giving me I've never understood the the scripture um a piece that passes all understanding as much as I do now because I'm like like I have that in a big way not to say that I never struggle or I never have doubts that things are going to work out or anything because I for sure have those but just this reminder that like I don't know like if even if like things are not changing right now, like I just know almost like God has given me this like promise that um, he is here and that I like, he is working and like my steadfastness and patience and like just continuing to be a safe place for my daughter is like going to come to fruition at some point, you know? Um, so I don't know, like that list is just something I started a while back ago because I was like, I, I I need something like I, I need something to serve as like tangible reminders um, that 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 you are present and like working in all sorts of ways. And it has been like so life changing for me. Um, it's one of like the yeah. crazy things that have happened or when something that stands out to you where you're like, no, there's like this can be nothing but God. Oh, um, so my uh, neighbor that moved in, so I, I have like a duplex that I rent and um, this, the house next to me had been empty for a while. Um, and they were like, the, the landlords were still looking for people to fill it for a long time. And then eventually like my neighbor moved in um, sometime back in the summer or like, yeah, like late summer. And I was talking to her one night, like one of her first nights here. And she, um, I was like, you know, asking her what she does. Um, and uh, I'm not going to go into like all the details of our conversation, but I was asking her what she does and like what she's passionate about and things like that. And this is like literally my first time meeting this girl. Like we were not friends, um, but she told me that um, something that she does is something that a lot of people like, she's like, it's probably kind of weird that like, this is something I enjoy, but I um, work uh, advocating for children age five and under that have experienced um, or witnessed uh, any type of abuse and she like went on to talk about how like it's specifically um, that what she works with is physical and sexual um, but it was just like the craziest thing because um, I, it, it was just like the craziest thing because like the house had been empty for a very long time and for her to talk about that as if like she's talking about it like yeah most people are probably not going to understand why I do this but like you know yada 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 and I don't know like it was just so cool to hear like this is a literal person that like basically shares a house with me that is advocating for children in a system that like my daughter is now in that same position of like has been a part of you know an abusive relationship and I don't know like it was just really neat like to hear her talk about it um I think that's like a big thing that stands out yeah I think it's beautiful like I think there are many ways where I feel like God has 
come through. And I think it's really important to write down like those. And again, in your truth book, like, or you can have something that's like, just to go back to, to remind yourself that like you are safe and also like the provision that happens, because I think it's really beautiful to hear the ways in which like God's providing for you um, and really protecting you. Um, And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I just like love the idea. I think that's a really beautiful idea. Um, What are your visions and dreams now that you are out and moving forward? What does life look like for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think a big thing that I eventually would love is still, um, just to, to have a family and, um, provide an actual dad for, um, for my daughter, um, and also have more babies. And I love being a mom and, um, not that I think, you know, getting married and being a mom is like the only thing that women are good for uh, by any means, but it is something that is like just such a strong desire for me. And, something that I pretty regularly think about of like, um, you know, I, I gave up the family that I had. Um, and I don't really think that that's like the best phrasing, but you know, like I don't have that family anymore. And, um, like, you know, what if I, what if I'm not able to like get married again? Like what if I'm, or like by the time I find someone, I like can't have any more kids. And like, I can just really spiral with those things of like, what if this was, what if this was it? And like, um, and like, if it is like, that's, it's, it's not that that's not okay too, but just like this realization of, I still do the desire, do desire those things. And like, God knows those desires. Um, and <laughs> while I don't think it is right now, um, one day just being able to share life with someone and like provide that, that fam- like have that family that I, I wanted, um, in the first place, um, is a huge dream. Um, but all that to say, like, I still will not, I think I'm very cautious going into dating again. I'm currently not going into dating. Um, and I, I'm not doing that necessarily anytime soon. Um, because I just like really am like trying to work on myself and all of those things first. But like, I think being really careful and guarded of like, I'm not going to, you know, mold myself to fit someone else's desire and, um, or make make it set myself up to be like I'm already damaged like I already have a toddler like who actually wants to like come into someone's life with a toddler and all of those things that I think the enemy is so good at at saying um but just like constantly combating those things with truth of like God redeems our stories in ways that we like cannot even fathom and I just like really believe that he is going to do that um How old are you uh 28. <laughs> Wait, oh, we're the same age. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can actually really resonate with this. I think it's like kind of a vulnerable <clears throat> thing, um, to be honest, because I feel like that's why I was curious, like what your age was, because <clears throat> like I got out when I was 25, mm-hmm. yeah, 24, 25. And um, <clears throat> then I was like in a relationship for a year, a little, yeah, like a year, a little over a year, the last like year. And then when it didn't work out. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 28 and I'm, I'm like going to be single for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. Something that really helps me is like, I'd rather be as much as I have a desire to be married, like, and have more children. I would rather be single than wake up next to the wrong person and know that it's the wrong person. Yes. Yep. And (laughs) that makes me feel like I'm like, okay, you're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah, but it's hard the older that you get and knowing that you do desire those things. Like, I think that's so very real and, and very raw and I'm right there with you. I fear the same thing as I'm like, okay, well, if I'm 28 and then I'm like doing the math, I'm like, well, then it's going to take extra yeah. time to like get to know somebody and then get engaged within a good amount of time. And then like, by the time you have kids, it's like, you're, well, you're in your 30 and then you're like, start to spiral because you're like, okay, well, how yeah. much time do I have? Um, and I think it really, it just comes down to trusting the process. Um, but also being okay with the fact that like, you'd rather wake up to yourself every morning than mm-hmm. like be in a bed with somebody who's not the right person for you. I know. I totally feel that. And I'm, you know, I, I, I'm 
I want my daughter to have like siblings and things. And I'm like, well, I don't want her to be like 10 when I can, if I can finally give her a sibling or anything, you know, like, I don't know, like you just think about all of those timeline things, but also realizing that like, yeah, I would much rather be just me and her forever than (laughs) to be in a relationship where it's really toxic and, you know, the wrong person, so to speak. Like, it's like, to me, that's like not worth it. Um, I like, as hard as things are now, like I like my life with her and I like, I don't know. I just, to me, that's, if this is God's like story for me, like I know it's still going to be beautiful, even if it doesn't include all the things that I like want it to even though I still have those desires and I do believe he like cares to meet those things um, as well, but it can be easy to like think about all of those things and, you know, mm-hmm. just waiting, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And like, there are like, I mean, taking on a child, I mean, it, yeah, like it's, I don't think everyone, anyone is like, Oh, one day I'm going to like marry someone who's a single mom and like take on a child. I don't yeah. <laughs> That, you know, but like, <clears throat> I, I mean, it happens all the time. And so someone at some point will come along. And I think it's really just navigating yeah. like healing and also learning to trust yourself again so that when that person does come, you're able yeah. to like to dive into that experience beautifully um, instead of hesitantly. I think hesitance is like also natural, but I think. I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I, this aspect of dating, like once I feel like I have it more figured out, I think I would like love to create like a dating, some sort of course for women because like specifically surrounded around abuse, because Mm. it's like, if you don't learn how to like navigate, like your intuition, uh, your central nervous system triggers, like it's really hard to end up in a healthy relationship. It's really hard not to end up back in another toxic one. And it's all kind of like intertwined together. And I'm still learning that and still navigating that. But it's like something that I wish somebody would have told me before I started dating. And it wasn't until I started dating that I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel like it's a minefield of triggers. And I was also with the wrong person. So that was partially why. But um, I think there's just so much here in that space, in that realm of dating that like isn't talked about. Because there's a lot of dating coaches just for like the average like, you know, you're just single and you want to date, but then when it comes to actually Mm -hmm. going through trauma and being abused, like how do you date and be a healthy partner? (laughs) Like how? Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, uh, but yeah, I feel that. Um, let's see. So being a mom, I think we, do you want to talk about the very end? You said like, you would like to work in a DV organization that stuff yeah I think like I think even bigger like bigger picture than that like I think my biggest desire is that like and I I believe that God uses our stories you know I don't have to like I don't necessarily question that but just like curious like you know God how are you going to use this like how are you going to um how, how is this going to play into your kingdom and in loving um, loving other people and teaching other people that your love is so much bigger than um, sometimes what I think it can be broadcasted as in the in, in the church setting and around marriage and things like that. Um, so maybe that looks like working in a domestic violence center or like helping um, victims of abuse in some way. Um, I've thought about like foster care um, even and like Uh, these are just like really big level. Like I'm not pursuing any of these right now at this moment necessarily, but like um, just like this curiosity of, I want this to, I I want, especially other women in the church. I don't want them to feel like this is all there is to life. And like, I know we are not the only people that have been married to seemingly great Christians that turn out to be like this. And I think just, I don't know, like I want to be that open space for women. That's like, I feel like no one else understands or is like giving me the support to like figure out what is next and like best for myself. And I just like want to be a part of that um, in some 
in some way, like whatever that looks like. So that's just like high level dream of like, God, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, how are you going to use this? How are you going to redeem my story and intertwine it with other people um, and their stories? So, Mm. yeah. It's beautiful. I think you also have like a really beautiful stance because you are pastors you were a pastor's wife and the more that you unpack I think you'll be able to speak on that and you have like a unique story and stance and so I think I don't know I think that I just think it's it's really beautiful and I think you're going to be a great advocate for others along the way um and I'm excited to like see that I'm really happy that we like cross paths. Um, it's always unfortunate that it's because of abuse, but I think yeah. that's the greatest thing like that, what was her name has brought is like, there are just so many heroes in this space and women that I genuinely look up to. And mm. it's just so beautiful to be connected to all of these amazing, brave, courageous women. And so you're one of them. And I'm happy that you are here and that I get to like, hold your story in this space for more people to, to yeah. listen and um, re- resonate and relate to. Um, so I think you're already starting that advocacy now as you come here to this space and leave your story here. Thank you. I hope so. I hope the right people are hearing this and not feeling like they're alone, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, all right. <laughs> Well, thank you. for (laughs) We're finished. Uh, I'm grateful for you being able to share your story. And um, I'm looking forward to just, you know, more friendship with you and just uh, just really hearing your story along the way and being able to, you know, walk with you through it. Um, It's a lot and it's hard, but I'm very proud of you. And I think like, I don't know. I know God has you and your daughter in his hands and he is protecting you. And I know this is not something you probably ever thought you would walk through. Um, yeah, there are so many who have walked through it before you and me for the last three years. So, I mean, we've already talked a lot about <laughs> how, yeah, we've, we've talked already about like how it's like, yeah, it's helpful to talk to people who've been through things a little bit before you, but anyways, um, all right, guys. Well, this concludes the episode. Um, there is not going to be an episode tomorrow for Thanksgiving. Um, this is going to just be that bonus episode. And then we will start up again next Thursday. I hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving. I'm super grateful that you're here in this space. Um, if you feel like what was her name has impacted your heart. Um, if you could go to um, Apple podcast and write a review and rate it both on Apple podcast and Spotify, that helps just to increase uh, people to be able to see this um, and come across this podcast. And yeah, if you have any questions or want to reach out or have anything to say to Brittany, um, feel free to message me and I can pass along all of that information to Brittany. Um, yeah, thanks for being here. We couldn't do it without you guys. <laughs>